you know, I've been in this business for 14 years and roofing for four, oh, going on 14 years now. I have never seen it this aggressive. And then we get competitive with the our fellow roofing companies. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's shown in, you know, people ripping down each other's signs. Yeah. But what I'm trying to encourage people to do is lower the temperature in the room. Mm-hmm. You know, our fighting against the one bringing us the business is a poor decision, in my opinion. I'm going to get criticized for this, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Yeah, as a homeowner, you just, you don't really want to have any drama related to Just fix my roof. Hey, how's it going? It's Tim Brown. This is the Hook Butter Reads Podcast. And today I have Reggie Brock with me. Good to see you, buddy. Yes, Thanks sir. Absolutely. We're so stoked he's going to be in our office today talking to our team. And then uh, we have an event tomorrow. Yeah. And Which is going to be over by the time you see this. Yeah. <laughs> but we're talking about a couple things today. We're talking about why insurance carriers do what they do. Because you talk with a, a different carrier. Not once a month. Well, once a month. Because you're trying to understand them. Absolutely. I mean, that's the whole game for me. I'm not picking a side. I'm just trying to find information that's useful to people out having to deal with claims every day, our roofing community. Absolutely. And then from my point of view, uh, I think it's interesting because we love to fight. Mm, God. People in the roofing industry love to fight. As evidenced by, we have a a brawl happening (laughs) later this year, potentially with Dimitri Lipinski and Lee Height. That's interesting. Yeah. But it's also like, it's a mindset, and it's kind of, it's an interesting constitution of an average roofer. And I, I relate to it, so I'm not judging it. It's just this kind of need to have a fight. Mm-hmm. You know, we're fighting the insurance company. We're fighting... Homeowners. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Homeowners. <Right>. Okay. <laughs> but hey, it does happen, right? Sure. So if we're fighting all the time, though, you kind of like... It's almost like you wake up, and if there's not a fight, you almost feel unfulfilled. Well, you're going to make one. Yeah. You know, yeah. But if you wake up, and there's a fight available to you, you're right. like, it kind of feels right. Yeah, it's an endorphin. I mean, yeah. it's like that stuff that charges us. And, you know, we want a cause. You know, mm-hmm. we want something to fight for. Where can I spill my blood? Because yeah. if I spill my blood, I'm proving that I'm invested in whatever area this is. And... You know, I've been in this business for 14 years and roofing for four, going on 14 years now. I have never seen it this aggressive. I mean, mm-hmm. like when I first started in 29 or 2010, I remember getting up on the roofs with contractors, you know, homeowners say, which I don't recommend. Homeowner goes like, hey, I got two roofers I'm looking at. I'm going to bring both on them out to meet the adjuster. And I have literally seen back in 2010, adjusters about get thrown off roofs. I mean, it's just, but now, Tim, it is at an apex emotionally that I have never seen before. And I think to your point, much of it has to do with that's the way we're built. We feel like to win, somebody's got to lose. <laughs> I mean, that's the way we see it. If you're going to keep score, I'm going to win. And so, you know, the idea here is not how do we find cooperation? It's like, how do we maintain combat? And so... That bleeds into every area of our business. And look, I'm not even critical of it. It's an, I'm just saying it's the way people are built. Hey, thanks for watching this episode. Please like, comment, and subscribe. It really helps other people see this content. We're back every Tuesday and Friday with the podcast, and we've got a ton of other videos. Thanks, guys. And, and we kind of have to have some fight, right? Like It's just like you're fighting for either something deep like, let's say, you know, we talked, the initial conversation that we had on this podcast was about fighting for real influence, trying to figure out right. 
things that are worthy of trying to actually move culture and, mm-hmm. and the industry towards. And or you're gonna fight about things that are a little bit more surface level potentially. I, I fight at domino games. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, yeah. you, it gets competitive, yeah, man. And yeah. we get, you know, my wife and I've been married for 34 years. She hates playing cards or dominoes with me because when that red light's turned on and the game we're rolling dice, dude. Don't tell me to keep scoring, not compete. Yeah. And so you know, it's you know, so so I have the same thing. Yeah, you know, totally. I was like, I can't. If I ain't got something to fight against and show the ability to compete and win, what's the point? And then we get competitive with the our fellow roofing companies. Yep. And you know that's that's shown in you know people ripping down each other's signs. Yes. That's shown in um, any other kind of combative behavior yeah. on the internet, things like that. But. What we're talking about is where insurance companies are going here too, and like what is their motivation? Because I think like you've had these unique conversations. Yeah. Can you tell me some some unique anecdotes that you've had mm-hmm. having these conversations with people? It's, I'm guessing there's some of them at a high level. Yeah, I mean I've been in three top ten offices of claims uh, uh, of insurance companies in the last five years, and then the rest of them have been kind of moderately built either single state carriers or regional carriers. And so, but I go in with the same intent and how in the world I get in there is I think pretty simple. I'm just like, look, I want to try to mediate some of this. I don't, I'm, I don't know that I'm qualified for it, but nobody else is really trying. You're either on one side or the other. Yeah. And I sit there and I sometimes go like, we're trying to, as contractors at times, and I'm going to get criticized for this, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it. We get criticized. I mean, we get, uh, we forget that we're trying to choke the goose laying the golden eggs. And that's the carrier. I don't, I mean, you can argue with me till you're blue in the face, but especially guys who run insurance work as a primary piece of their business, if you take the insurance claim out of their business, they don't have a business. And so, well, Reggie, are you saying we should just bow down and cater? No, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm trying to encourage people to do is lower the temperature in the room. You know, our fighting against the one bringing us the business is a poor decision, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Now, are they always right? Are they ever right? That's it, no. I mean, it, it, that's that's not necessarily the case. But you're fighting against what's causing the business to come your way if you're in the insurance business. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I think you're seeing a lot of guys pull away from insurance right now and work in retail. They don't want to have to deal with the conflict that comes along with it. So to your question. When I go in, I tell the carriers, I'm like, look, I just want to know so I can explain and share with people some of your motivations and your intentions. And Tim, I was in the insurance business for 26 years. So I have, I know the underbelly of this. I did not know that. Yeah, 26 years. And so I was an adjuster. I had a public adjuster's license. I've set policy in states. I have built organizations for uh, carriers. So I have a pretty vast experience in that. So when I go into them, I want to hear from them mm-hmm. by region, um, if they're just regional guys, what are the factors that you need to see come about to create the right relationship that ultimately brings a homeowner back to being whole, right? Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we forget about that. We, we're so caught up in the fight, we forget about the ramifications. And sometimes the bloodbath that we're involved spills over to someone who doesn't deserve it, and that's a homeowner. Yeah, as a homeowner, you just... You don't really want to 
have any drama no. related to Just fix my roof. Yeah, and there's not... It's almost like even if you got like let's say like an upgraded shingle or something additional from your insurance carrier, it matters, but like probably not as much as it does to the roofer. And certain like sometimes it's basically drama is expensive. I think for a homeowner and in that process, and they don't expect it. Like I wouldn't expect that as a homeowner. That well, where I'm else, have to be where, where else in your life as a homeowner do you see that level of drama? Yeah. There's not another home service that usually has that level of drama. No. Yeah. Just roofing. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what makes us awesome. Yeah, I know it, it, it is awesome, but yeah. it's, it's, it's exhausting too. Yeah. Right. And so, uh, one of the things that I hear from carriers, and this is what I get criticized for when I talk about this subject, is that, well, you're trying to side up with a carrier. No, I'm not. <laughs> because I know at times they do things and produce effect on a claim that is not fair to the homeowner or the contractor. For the record, I know yeah. that to be the case. But even if it's an issue of record, we need to know how we can turn this to our advantage. And so those are the questions that I ask the, the carriers is, so what are you really looking for in this partnership with the roofers? We wanted to take care of our homeowner and we wanted it at a fair price. Now take that statement and move it into any other area of our life. And would you want to fight when you heard that? Like, I just want, you know, we want the experience to be right and we want it to be fairly paid. Yeah, it's really just I don't believe you. Right. Like, if I'm playing the, the advocate of the roofer half the yeah. time, it's, it's so we don't believe you. Because so, okay, stop right there. You don't <laughs> believe me, and I'm the carrier. You're, you're yeah. roofer, I'm carrier. That's basically it. Yeah. So then I say to you, so should I trust you? And Tim goes, well, of course you should trust me. And then I've seen this happen. I have set in claims rooms video calls with homeowners and their roofer. Live calls. And here's what the carrier says. Tim, uh, you did this roof. Looks great. They sent in a final invoice. And you billed me for, you know, exchange. Or, or, or I paid you to replace drip edge. Drip edge is the same. You didn't change the drip edge, mm -hmm. did you? Mm -hmm. No. Well, then why did I pay you for it? Mm -hmm. I paid you for a service you didn't do. Yeah. Okay, I look up and I see uh, ventilation on the roof. I paid you to replace that, yeah. and you didn't. Yeah. Now, yeah, there, there's well, I just want to note for this, it's like, it is important to note that there are contractors that aren't doing what they right. said that they're going to do. And that is an obvious, like, it's hard to talk about on this podcast because there's four roofers, but there are certainly, there's probably a lot of those cases, right? And the, those, that is what creates an antagonistic relationship. Right. That then, when you see these videos of, you know, Raymond Little on the roof, kind of like, like this, this adjuster is clearly being kind of obstinate. No doubt. Like, that, that is why, <laughs> that is why they're being obstinate sometimes because there, there ends up being a policy that gets carried down that's like, these roofers aren't doing what they said they're going to do. But it's just really, the question is, Whose claims are the most valid? And I think it's unfortunately it's, there's there's some claims that are legitimate on both sides. That's the toughest part. That's the toughest part. Um, but just noting, like I think it has to be said. And there's also been manufactured damage, no doubt, right? So those things 
have to be kind of brought into light when you're having this when you're having this discussion about the tension between roofers and insurance companies. There, there is manufactured damage by roofers occasionally. There is things that aren't being completed that are being stated that they're being completed. To what degree, like, I mean, you you might know more than I did because of your background, like, how much of that um, work not being completed that was said to be completed is happening? So there's a there's a correlation. When you get into an area where there are high deductibles, mm. especially percentage deductibles, Texas is a perfect example, and I'm not going to call the carrier's name, but I worked with the top 10, a top 5, uh, in 2014. 14, I think they had two cat five storms in Dallas. I was living in the Fort Worth area and we were working with this carrier. And one day my phone rang and we were doing 2000 claims a week, a week. We were moving. When I say we, our manager, manager repair company was sending 2000 claims a week to the Dallas Fort Worth roofers at the mm -hmm. time. And they're, in Texas, they've got two, three percent deductibles, and so homeowners don't have two thousand, three, four thousand dollars. So the roofer comes and goes, "I, I got you," mm -hmm. and so they start taking money that was allocated to something else, and you know, then it, it's just it's, it's, they do fuzzy math to the carrier, and then they get it paid for, but they didn't really pay it for them. They, that's in, the insurance company pay it. Is that is that basically exactly? My question to you is like the whole like. Um, so hold on a minute. Yeah. So I get this call on a Sunday night at 9 a.m. And this guy says, I will be, he's, he was with the carrier and he's an auditor. He's a property auditor. And so what he, he flew in that next morning and met me at seven o'clock on property. And we spent the next 14 days from sunup to sundown, just going and looking at roofers work and seeing if what was not the quality of it, but just what was paid for and what did they do? And it was staggering how much, loss was involved in what was paid for and not replaced. And I, listen, I'm not even worried about the carrier. I'm worried about the homeowner. Mm -hmm. I'm pro-roofer. I sold roofs for seven years. I mean, I know what it is to knock doors. I know what it is to get up. I know what it is to deal with cantankerous uh, adjusters. I know all, so you, I know all of that. But the fact of the matter is, I think for us to take a leap in our business, we're going to have to get lower the temperature in the room in conversation, and we're going to have to learn how to play better together, or this thing is not going to go in our favor. I agree 100%. I want to ask, I want to ask a follow-up question to that, but first, do you believe that the insurance carrier's motives are as pure as the white-driven snow? No. Because no. you, you kind of, you know, you're, you're advocating, which I understand, which is the, the roofers that are unethical, you're kind of using that here to explain the insurance perspective. Right. How pure is this insurance from your perspective? I, I honestly, I believe you. I'm not trying to like, I'm just saying like, how ethical is it really? Yeah. Because there's a lot of profit in the insurance game, but they don't want roofers to have too much profit. I, I'm with you. And so again, for the record, I think I'm, to me, this is an information gathering opportunity. You asked me, what are some of the specifics? Yeah. That's a specific. I love that specific. I'm not yeah. judging that and I'm not even agreeing with it. But what I'm saying is you say, what are they saying? That's what they're saying. Yeah. Okay. And so to your question now, no, I don't think they're pure and motive a hundred percent of the time, but 
My point is we share a common denominator in the policyholder, the homeowner, that I think that we should learn to finally work together for the good of the outcome of the end user, which is the policyholder. Now, uh, listen, I think that there's a very small percentage of roofers today that still kind of behave uh, in some ways unethically. No doubt about it. But we've got carriers like that, too. I mean, we've got, we've got attorneys like that. You think? We've got PAs like that. We've, everybody in this game, there's a section of the business that's just unde- that's defiled. And so I don't think there's more roofers or carriers. I just think that there's a portion of, pol- uh, there's a portion of pollution, if you will, in every part of this equation, including homeowners. And so, you know, my deal is when you say to me, what are they saying? That's, I think that's a value. No, that's, that's, that's super valuable. I just wanted to yes. get it all clear. Contractors love the catch-all because it makes every single one of their roof builds easier and more profitable. Protective netting wraps facade and landscaping to prevent from left-behind nails and damage. Homeowner referrals bring you more jobs and insurance supplements bring you more profits. But my favorite part, the branding. You know, you talked about these people that have said they replaced something that then had not. Mm-hmm. There's what kind of consequences do those individuals see? And then I want to kind of I got a quick follow up yeah. that. So I don't want to stick there for too so long. So it's it's very it's very expensive to enforce. Yeah. So, you know, like in Texas, there's a group they're pretty highly aggressive with it right now and really going after these guys and I see it pretty regularly. But in the grand scope of things, it's like a small, very small piece of enforcement, which if you're not going to enforce it, why is there even the law there? You know, I would say like what, what I'm trying to get at here, too, is that I feel like on average, when you try to perform ethically, it may not be as profitable in the short term, but in the long term, you have less consequences. I think there's yeah. there's reputation problems, mm-hmm. right? I think the the reason that it's not as like it doesn't like spread like wildfire the repu- negative reputation of bad players is because it's just something that's not replaced that often. So it's not like you have another roofer up there shortly and they're like, "There's these flashings weren't replaced." Right. And look at this work order from last year. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that maybe that's why it's not uh, why they don't see as many consequences. Like what basically in a lot of areas of life and business, if you act somewhat unethically there are consequences. Mm. And so on, on average, I think it just it makes more sense to just act ethically unless you're some kind of evil mastermind. Well, and I, and I think, too, uh, that homeowners just want their roof replaced, and whether it's once every seven years or once, like in the case of the Texas, you know, you might get a new roof. Twice a year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, pretty regular. Yeah, but I don't even want it. Like, if I'm a homeowner, I don't even want a new roof. No. I just, I don't even have to think about it. That's yeah, actually yeah. sucks. Yeah. In a way. Yeah, I, again, I, I state, and I want to be real clear about this. When I meet with carriers, I have zero interest in anything other than what are you looking for? How can we, how can, if I just have a small audience or a big audience, what can I say that will impact the relationship. Why are you doing this? Because I ask them questions like that. Why are you so combative? Why is it you denying stuff? Why? Well, this is a pol- policy-driven decision. And so, you know, I go like, 
I just try to dig in a little bit, and honestly, it's been helpful, and they've been very open, and I've tried to share it with as many people as I possibly can, just to make you aware. You know what? Let's let's kind of wrap up with a little bit more on that, but basically, like, this idea of trying to understand the insurance perspective, yeah. including in, in going into carriers when you can, like, talking to people and really trying to understand, like, in the absence of information, we just imagine these, like, ogres in a corporate office right. just counting their dollar bills. I mean, as a as a corporation, insurance companies are not that. The commercials are good. Yeah. You know, the jingles are good. But, like, in general, like, especially contractors, just imagine this kind of greedy yeah. corporate structure. So the, the more information we can shed on that, it just... And the, I, the, I think it's more accurate. I'm not going to argue with you about that because I think that they are greedy. Yeah. But, again, if I can extract or we can extract more information from them about requirements and about why the motives behind doing certain things, which I'm not saying I know them all, but they've been pretty free to give the information. The problem is we have reached a point to where we just don't want to hear it. All we want to know is there's a devil out there called the insurance company, Snake Farm, and, you know, what are we, all, yeah, yeah, I mean, that, and that we've got to fight, we've got to get up every day and whip or they're going to destroy us. And the fact is, if I can just find some information, I can share it with people, and it helps them kind of reassess and reset kind of the way they're going to market, hopefully it's helpful. And I know we're talking about this. Uh, tomorrow at the event at Hook Agency, but managed repair programs. Yeah. They, you've said they're finding a friendlier audience among some contractors. As there becomes a little bit more professional outfits, and this is rude to say, and rude, but like roofers that are just like at the scale where cooperating makes a lot of sense. I'm not going to name names right now, but somebody, you know, there's a lot of money in PE right now, as you know, there's a lot of things going on with equity coming into the market. And one of the things that these big mature money guys are looking at is the opportunity to partner stronger with carriers, whether direct or through a managed repair. And so the problem that MRPs and DRPs face right now is it's a land grab, right? So we're going to see an escalation in claims per by year depending on geographical coverage that the carrier has. So some say right now about 5 to 12, 13% of the claims go through an MRP. And with that little amount of claims, think about the noise that comes with just a 5 to 12% share that MRPs get. I mean, people are losing their minds over this. Mm -hmm. And so, well, what I tell people is, you know how much is 12%? No, because they don't have enough coverage, geographical coverage by our contractor network, because if they had that, this would be 30, 40, 50%. No mm -hmm. doubt about it. So right now, what and I see this happening with contractors all across the country, they're getting their door knocked by MRPs more than they have in a long time, other than just the normal guys that we're used to hearing from. These people are putting together MRPs, they're putting together DRPs, and I'm talking about roofing guys. Mm -hmm. Right, that used to stand up and just hate the guts out of insurance, and now, oh. So what's DRP? Direct Repair Program. Okay. So the difference is a managed repair is like a middleware. It's like a third-party administrator. Mm -hmm. It's like 
The claim comes into the carrier. It's then handed off to the MRP, the managed repair company, gotcha. who is responsible for administering the claim all the way to completion. Mm -hmm. And so then they get networks and claims come in, they hand them out. DRP, though, is where I think the future is headed. And that is a relation, a direct relationship between Tim the Roofer and the carrier itself. So in, when I got the business in 2010, farmers had a program called First Choice. And that's what it was, is a DRP. It was a direct repair program. So they would locate contractors in a market and vet them and then put them in a, their network. And when a storm came, they phoned them all the claims. And it was really a pretty good program. And so then it kind of dried up. Um, and roofers get mad at this a little bit because they're like, that shouldn't be how it is. Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Uh, but, but I also can see like, I mean, it's, it's happened in automotive, right? That's the, that's the, like, the early kind of, if it's happening. That ain't the early. Let me tell you, let me give you just a quick history, then we'll yeah. shut up. Okay, thank you. In the 80s. School me. <laughs> oh, I think, man, thank you that I'm shutting up. Yeah. <laughs> so, in the 80s, way back before you even thought of, um, insurance companies started seeing great loss in the medical side of the business. They were, what would happen is people would get a cold, and go and stay in the hospital and get cared for because they didn't have anyone at the house maybe to take care of them. And they just stay in the hospital and they got ready to go home. And the insurance company would just pay the bills. And then all of a sudden they went like, they, they, they took what they call a diagnostic research group. And that diagnostic research group said this, based upon the diagnosis, we're going to give you X amount of care in the hospital. After that, the hospital can keep you, but we ain't paying for it no more. And so what you started seeing is people in the hospital quick out, right, like quicker, right? Because the cost to was just cut off. They were like, this is what it's going to take. Mm -hmm. Then it got to doctor's offices. They used to have the PPOs. They still do PPOs and HMOs. So the interesting twist of that was this. They would go to uh, the way the hospitals program worked so well. They went to carriers and they said, hey, you got a problem we can fix. And I'm talking about the Blue Crosses and all these major insurance companies said, we have what you want, Mr. Physician, and that is customers. So how much money are you spending on marketing to get new customers? Just stop spending it. So what we're going to do is we're going to run you all our policyholders, if you're in our network, and all we ask you to do is to comply with pricing up front. Hmm. So the, the, the doctors go, so they'll, they'll say stuff like this. How many, how many, uh, Customers or clients or whatever you call them, do you get every day coming to your office? All five or ten. What if we give you a hundred? Hmm. We have the power to force to you uh, clients, customers that you can take patients that you can take care of. But you're not going to stick us financially. We're going to reach a mediating price mm -hmm. here, and so PPOs and HMOs just happen. Then the insurance company go, oh, this is cool. Let's try this in property. So they went to, they did the same thing with cars. That's where you got in the store. Okay, yeah. It's like they go to these cars and they, it's the same principle. How many cars you repair a month? Oh, 50. How would you like 500? And so we're, we're going to force all our policyholders or we're going to direct our policyholders to you. Mm -hmm. All we ask is that we have agreed upon front end pricing. Unless you find something that's not discovered upon the initial investigation when you start tearing the car apart, you give me a price, homeowner, I mean, the uh, auto, uh, the 
uh, policyholder is going to pay you a deductible, and we agreed upon we'll pay it quick down the road. Then it started in property in interior. So all of your mitt companies, fire and water. What, what year is this? This was probably in 20, one, uh, 2001, 2002, somewhere around there. Maybe even a little bit later. But they got property involved, but they did it on the interior. So all these fire and mitt guys, same thing. Hey, you want more? That's the trick. You want more? Cool. We can drive you business, but you're going to have to be cooperative with us in pricing. Mm-hmm. So it went to water and fire. That matured. And they're like, oh, now. So people say to me all the time, this has come out of nowhere. No. It's, it's just it's just now hit an exterior. Yeah. And so Yeah. And so that's the evolution. It went from managed care to managed repair. And so now it's just hitting, you know, I say just last five years or so, it's really made an impression on the exterior, but it's been, how quick does that, like how big does a, a change does this make and how quick, you know, if you, if you believe like, let's say it's at 16 or whatever percent now, like when does it get to 30? When does it get to 50? Same thing with, with healthcare. Yeah. What the quicker they got more doctors on, the more feeder they have. So yeah. if you don't have the doctors, it doesn't matter. You you can't service your policyholder base. It's the same thing in roofing now. Once they get contractors lined up in networks, they're going to have a place to put the claims. Right now, they just don't have enough participation at the contractor level to flush the claims that they need. Interesting. It's just about it's about the but, land, it's know, about the land grab. Right now, you know it's. <laughs> you know, FNOL, right? First notice of loss. Right. It's coming a lot of times from roofers knocking on their door. And the question is, is like, where do you get that? You get it from the, you get it from the homeowner. Or like, you know what I mean? Like, basically, how does this compete with door knocking? <laughs> well, it's almost the same. Because yeah. what I, when I first started, I'd go knock doors and they would say, i go up to take pictures and bring it down and show them. I, you got damage. It's called the insurance company. So I wouldn't let them do it. I just call. I would say, I'm here with your homeowner, Mr. You know, with Tim. And hey, Tim, could you verify I'm with you? And Tim would take the phone and say, yeah, I'm here with you. Well, I noticed damage on the roof. He wants to file a claim because most homeowners don't know the path to getting all that done. Mm-hmm. And I would say, you know, look, I need to make sure that I'm here. I represent the policyholder. And all that stuff I was saying was as legal as it could be. <laughs> I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm violating UPPA all along the way. I'm doing everything I should do. Yeah. Uh, and I've been in the insurance business for 26 years. But the thing we can't forget is that most homeowners don't know the process. And they need a little bit of help. But, like, insurance companies don't have a lot of incentive to be that first notice of loss, is what I'm saying. What do you mean? Like, why would, you know, like, so there obviously is a lot of, flow coming through them. They're, the first person they're calling is the insurance company. I know that when I had a, my roof had an issue, yeah. that was my first call, just to understand. So you're saying at that moment, but no sooner. You know what I mean? Sometimes there's damage that we don't know about yet as homeowners. Yeah. So it's it's brought to light by our good roofers that are knocking doors. I get that. But see, here's the parallel. Because if that incentive was taken away. I mean, I'm just saying. No, you're right. Shift. Yeah, and so one of the challenges that, that we face is like me as a homeowner, forget about I mean, I'm a property owner. And I know, I mean, I've been in the insurance business 26 years. I was. There's still things about that policy I don't understand. But one of the things I saw early that I tell homeowners, when I was selling, I would tell homeowners this all the time. Even if you don't replace your roof, 
There's a clause inside of your homeowner policy called a due diligence clause. And that due diligence clause is a get out of jail card free by the carrier. And what that mean, what I mean by that is if you know or you think or even you're concerned that there may be damage from a recent storm and you don't notify the insurance company in a in a with due diligence, meaning, hey, I'm doing my part here, they can deny future claims. So you notice something today, six months from now, it starts leaking. They have the data just like we as roofers have the data to know that a storm blew through here yeah. that day. And now you've waited six months to call me. Why didn't you call me when this first happened? Mm -hmm. So to me, that's indicative of some of the carrier style. They yeah. like trying to find loopholes. That's that. I basically wanted to note that there's always kind of a, you know, even if there's a good chunk of business covered by these programs, I mean, just kind of like, there's always opportunity for roofers to find your business that's not this. Right? Yeah. Like there's, it's not like they're going to come in. They're not going to be notifying homeowners. That's basically, I'm trying to figure out if I'm right, but I would assume they're not going to be notifying homeowners. Of, like, if there was five claims in a block, they're not going to be like, hey, other 20 uh, homes over here, by the way, you, you should get your... You right, know, no. That's not the point. They're going to wait until that's, that's leaking. Yeah. And it's bad or yeah. something. You know? And so you just got to... And that's another great selling tool for roofers. It's just... Educate the homeowner on, forget about calling the claim. If you can't do that, don't do that. Just make it so advantageous to them based upon your knowledge that you're the clear-cut winner. Yeah. And so when I would go in, I didn't care if there were 50 roofers there because I knew how the claim worked. I knew the intricacies inside and out of the policy. And what I would always tell homeowners is this, you don't, don't believe me, call your adjuster. Call your adjuster and see if he'll verify what I'm saying. <laughs> and so it was a strategy of value that I always did well with. And that's what I'm trying to encourage uh, roofers to be more mindful of so that they can share. And if they get information about the carrier and use it in a positive way, it's only going to enhance their patch of business because people are going to trust them more. Hey, I'm not here because I had guys, guys do this all the time. I'm going to tell you something, Mr. Homeowner, the insurance company's doing nothing but screw you. They're not, all they're trying to do is rip you off and keep you from getting the roof you deserve. And then, you know, if I've had coverage with an insurance company for 10, 15 years, and you come in here bashing them who've taken care of me in the past, it puts us on a bad path. Just gather new information, incorporate it into your presentation, and you're going to get further, I feel. Hey, I think that's a good note to end on, and I really appreciate being on the podcast again. Thanks for doing it in person. And man, I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks for speaking with our team today uh, about mindset. All right, guys. Have and, a good day. Uh, have Reggie into your team. Yeah, I'd love to come see you. Uh, and uh, visit him as he's traveling around the country. Yeah. He's uh, got some events. So appreciate you, sir. Thanks, Tim. Yeah, bye-bye.